everyone and welcome to C3 Panel. This is a comic book review and discussion podcast and I'm joined today by Arena Richards. She's a comic artist and illustrator and educator. Her practice aims to challenge the boundaries and perception of the comics format. Her work is inspired by history, heritage, poetry and life experiences. Her most recent published works include The Witch Hair, a collection of manga-styled manga-style comics based on Welsh folk folklore. As an artist educator, she has been teaching comics workshop for over 10 years. Uh, she's also enthusiastic about comics and love introducing her new audiences to this dynamic art form. How are you uh, doing today? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Cool. So let's uh, let's get to talking about uh, the book that we're going to be discussing. It's Weebo by Alyssa M. Sala, uh, lettered by Susie Lee, uh, and it's published by Unhe Press. It's their senior year of high school and three friends are preparing for a big anime convention happening after graduation. Even though they've known each other for years, they're finding out that the rea- that they're finding out that reality isn't like a cartoon and that people grow up and sometimes apart. This is a story about appropriation, identity and what it means to change. So uh, when I contacted you about being a guest on the podcast, I offered you a selection of titles to review what stood out about this one that made you want to I think it's just this kind of connection to the the culture itself and the scene because I was part of that scene back when it's just started uh, gaining momentum in the UK so I was you know as a child as a teenager as a young person I was a weeaboo I was a weeb you know yeah. I enjoyed anime I enjoyed manga I enjoyed drawing so it's something that I knew immediately I could really relate to okay that's interesting it's kind of a bit different to kind of my kind of experience growing up. I mean, I was a big fan of like the more Marvel type superhero comics and I was never, I was never kind of that one to go to um, conventions and stuff like that. So that's quite interesting. That's one of the things that um, grabbed you. So our, our three protagonists are Danny, James and Maya. And it's basically, it's a coming of age story about their friendship and I think I'm guessing one of the main themes, like for me at least, that grabbed me was that it's how they're using you know cosplay and uh, anime and kind of Japanese culture to try on different masks to discover what their what identity they're comfortable in. Is that something that you'd agree with, and does that kind of match up with kind of your experience of the scene um, as as you was growing up? Yes, I think so. What really kind of struck me about the three characters in the book is that they really live parallel lives, if you like. You know, it's their normal life when they go to school, when they interact with their families, where they have disagreements and so on. And there's this parallel life in which they write fan fiction, in which they dress up as as their favourite characters. They reimagine their identities, as you said, and that's again this is something that really matched my my kind my kind of experience of being in the scene so i found that book really really truthful and reflecting that really uh, accurately yeah and uh, i think you should also um bear saying this it's um i wouldn't say it's a period piece but it does it happens at a certain the story for me is told in like a certain time in history it's not kind of a like modern 
modern modern day story kind of um the characters while they do have mobile phones they're you know playing around with things like nintendo ds's and stuff like that so it's kind of we're not where the, the place where the story the time period in which the story takes place um i think has a really heavy effect because i don't think it's, we're really at that stage where things like twitter instagram and facebook are around because who is it maya she's got her own like little blog that she kind of posts on i think we've kind of moved past that but you know at this in this period of time that's kind of one of the main ways people were kind of um uh interacting with each with, uh, with each other i think that one of the questions i wanted to ask you is that it's a fairly beefy book it's like 300 pages and we get i think an equal time amount of time with each of the the characters which of the the character's story kind of spoke to you the most i would like to say james yeah so James is. Shall I tell more about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell you a bit about the character. Uh, he yeah. is one of the three main characters, and he's friends with um, Danny, who is known as Dan, and Maya. And James is really struggling with his place in life in the scene, almost like he's expected to act a certain way but he ends up acting a completely different way. He feels like he's wasting his life. He doesn't really achieve anything at school. He doesn't get good grades. So my understanding from the background is that he is of a mixed uh, background. So yeah. I think he has uh, an Asian parent and a, a European or a white parent. And I think it's this conflict that is kind of obvious throughout the book with James and also with his sister, that they are really struggling to fit into the society and kind of live up to the expectations of society of how they should behave, what they should talk like, and and so on. And it's just kind of trying to find the right niche, if you like, to just be in, in that kind of scene as well. So it's almost like he's expected to kind of be into certain things but you know his family one other theme is that his family actually disapproves of his interests of being um being a cosplayer watching anime and so on but he just finds i think it's his inner freedom he, uh, that's how he expresses himself one thing that i that really made me relate to James and the reason you know one of the reasons why I really could um, sympathize with that character is uh, quite early in the book there's a scene of James leaving his house and walking and he uh, puts some music on puts headphones on and he starts listening to music and he literally grows like wings angels wings so it's almost like it gives him freedom you know he feels free and then at the end of the story when he leaves for the convention again we see the wings again but this time he kind of sheds them you know that you can see feathers flying behind him so i found that quite you know quite a visual um sort of metaphor for freedom and i found that quite striking yeah i think james's arc probably resonated with me uh the most out of all three of the characters as well kind of like that uh that sense of like uh parental pressure to uh achieve like academically i think is quite quite apparent where in, in james's uh life and kind of dealing with parental disappointment and stuff like that is is also something that um i've had to 
kind of cope with as well. So we've, we've got James and we've got Maya. She is a, I believe the story takes place in, in America. She's a African-American uh, teenage girl. And she, for me, she's kind of main impetus or the main kind of like font of knowledge for a lot of the Japanese uh, anime stuff that the group kind of tends to get get involved with. Her plot line, I think, basically re- re- resolves around kind of her burgeoning um, uh, sexuality. She, I think... Through the course of the story, we discover that she's um, a lesbian and kind of her kind of coping with beauty standards. And, you know, one of the things, you know, it's kind of one of the things that I felt that was apparent through the story was she she felt that she needed to put on like the anime stuff to make herself feel pretty. And I felt that, you know, that made me feel quite sad for her as a character. Dan's storyline um, was the one I struggled with. That I couldn't really get a handle on what their character progression was. Do you have um, an idea of where Dan started uh, in, in in the story and kind of what his character arc was supposed to be? Or their character arc was supposed to be? Yes, I found Dan probably the most complex character of yeah. the three. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that was the author's idea um to kind of make them a slightly slightly more mysterious one and less kind of straightforward in your face okay here is the character this character has that problem you know the uh, so dan doesn't really have this this kind of um dan's hasn't got this kind of simplicity i think uh i it is not clear in the story um i suspect that uh, Dan could probably identify as non-binary. Yeah, it doesn't really. Um, it's not really the center of the story, um, although it's reflected to some extent through Maya's feelings for for Dan. Uh, but I think the perception uh, of other people, the how other people perceive Dan, is the main conflict of this character, and this is shown through the the play. So yeah. the, the play that the stage where Dan wanted to play a character, one one particular character, but they become um they are cast as a completely different character just because of their biological gender. Yeah. And I yeah. think this probably felt quite unfair and very very kind of created a conflict for Dan themselves, but then they it also made them come into kind of their own at the end of the play when they slightly altered the ending of the play. Yeah, um, oh, I completely was... changed the ending of the play. Yes, yeah, crazy. absolutely. That was really unexpected as well for yeah. the audience and maybe for Dan for themselves as yeah. well. And I think this is when they really, Dan really came into their own. Yeah. Which, which yeah. was very, very, it was great to see. At this point of the book, I was like, yes, you go, Dan. Yeah. Uh, so it was, I think it was a very powerful moment. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So th- 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 those are kind of um, basically the, the three stories. So we've talked uh, quite a lot about the, the plot. There's not, there's not like a, you know, their story is them trying to prepare for this big um uh convention that's happening after graduation and the you know the plot kind of 
follows uh, how they kind of uh, come together and drift apart, then come together again over the course of um, uh, the academic year um, and kind of what their plans for are for like after high school um, and stuff like that. We've 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 kind of talked a fair bit about the um, about the about the plot. So I just wanted to kind of touch on the the art as well. What did you? What were your initial impressions? And kind of like the um, artistic style that um, Alyssa chose to kind of tell various elements of the story, because there's a few different art styles that are kind of used throughout. Yes, I found that very novel. Uh, it, <laughs> it took me a while to kind of get used to the the switch between styles. I really liked the idea of the splash pages that separated different parts of the story. Um, I thought it was really a, a, an interesting twist because they were used to kind of chapterize the story. But at the same time, uh, each of the splash pages was inspired by a particular anime or a particular like manga, manga artist style. You know, it, it still had that kind of nostalgia kind of quality that you mentioned at the start, you know. Um, I just, I also think that the the mixed, I read a little bit about um, how Alyssa kind of uses different media um, and combines it with digital. And I think it just creates a really striking, really unique look. Um, and the characters themselves um, so they look in in the book they don't really look sort of manga style themselves but at the same time going back to their parallel lives you know it's almost like the different styles separate their real life from their life as a as a kind of anime fan as the person in the scene um, that's a brilliant I think in terms of visual storytelling that was really brilliant yeah, so um, yes, yeah, so Alyssa kind of uh, uses one style in what I'd call like the real world when they're in like high school or at home or at work, and then when um, they uh, th- th- she also uses like a really heavily anime uh, manga um, influenced style when they actually go escape into the world of the the anime what that we're watching, which I've. The name of the anime uh, escapes me um, at the moment. I've not written it down, but it's kind of a very much kind of um, is uh, the anime is set in this world of um, like the French Revolution, and they're they're wearing kind of like frilly frilly uh, frilly outfits with cuffs and yes uh, stuff stuff like that. So there's the Rose a real... of Versailles. Yeah, yes. the Rose. Yeah, the Rose of Versailles. So it's um, it you know that that you know there's kind of a striking difference between the world in which they're seeking to escape uh into with the the cosplay characters that they're they're wanting to play and kind of the rest of the the book um one of the interesting choices i found uh, Alyssa made was the use of like coloring between those two the coloring and like the, the line work between those two worlds because a lot of the um real world coloring is kind of like I, w- I want to say pastel, but it's definitely watercolored. Yes, um, and kind of um, sort of like uh, painterly. You can kind of like see, you can almost see in some of the uh, 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 panels, kind of the the paintbrush being you know, le- leaving effect on the page. Whereas uh, opposed to the um, 
the anime world where it's like the the colors are how do you describe i wouldn't say bolder but there, there's like um uh there's like maybe a gaudiness to they're more the, defined yes. yeah they're, they're more defined and you can definitely tell that there's kind of a separation and i think the the color um the way that the she uh draws the the characters in the anime world is also much different to when they're in kind of the the the, the real world as well this kind of especially with the eyes and i feel like the characters were also slightly f- more thickly inked um as well to kind of like capture that we've all seen kind of like uh mangas and anime that kind of use this sort of like uh that sort of like character um design as well so i I thought that was a as you said it was a really interesting and fascinating visual storytelling choice that she she made there absolutely and also just to add to that i thought james the the way that james is drawn is very distinctive and he is different from other characters the impression he gave me visually was angular spiky you know so it almost reflects kind of his character to an extent that he is prickly he's trying to find that place but he almost doesn't fit anyway because he just is too spiky almost um and the other thing is when we mentioned the influence of um the rose of versailles uh, that was actually i think it was translated in some countries as lady oscar and i think that version, that name of uh, the alternative name, really feeds into the character of of, of Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I completely uh, agree with that. Um, it's it's interesting you mentioned about um, James being particularly like angular and kind of like, almost hunched over um, a lot of the time. I felt a lot of the characters were kind of at various points were kind of. Gorky a little bit. There's kind of like a teenage awkwardness about all of them um, at various points. But I think you're right. James is definitely um, the more, more scrunched up uh, and angular and um, kind of bent over than most of the other characters that um, maybe stride through the world of the comic a little bit more confidently um, than he does. So there's you know definitely kind of um, interesting storytelling uh choices there um one of the other things that i i liked about the the uh book as well is the way that they um when when the characters are coming to like a resolution they do she does tend to use very much kind of uh these uh heavily manga influenced angles kind of there's there's one page that i'm looking at at the moment um which I think it's, I believe it's page 45 where um, uh, Danny's making the decision to become the hero Oscar. And that's for me, that's a, like a very typical of like a, a manga angle that you'd see in a lot of, um, a lot of stories uh, from, from that era. Absolutely. Yes. The, the visual references to manga style are pretty constant. And I think it was done on on purpose to ensure that people who people maybe like me who 
grew up with this scene, they can instantly recognize it. They yeah. can see the references and say, oh, yes, I see why, you know, I, I see why it's told like this, you know. So it's a really good, I think it's it's a very appropriate um, storytelling technique, you know, the visual storytelling technique. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with that. Um, uh, what was your overall uh, feeling about the book? Because the, the, the art um, does some, definitely does some, uh, interesting uh, visual storytelling uh, stuff. Um, I think I, I think I'm probably I wasn't in the scene as you were. So I think a lot of it probably did go um, over my head uh, in terms of maybe like manga or anime references that they were they were making f- throughout. Um, but yeah, what was your overall feeling about uh, the book? Uh, is it something you'd recommend? Um, uh, you know that sort of thing. Absolutely. I think that I would definitely recommend this book to anyone who is my age and who started going to conventions um, around the same time as I started, um, because I think it's in a way it's a it's a document. It's not just a story. It's not just fiction. It's an artifact. It reflects that slice of culture, if you like, slice of scene. So I would say that anyone who may have started going to early conventions, uh, the early version of um, MCM Comic Con, for example, you know, when it used to be called the Expo, would definitely recognize themselves. Um, And also uh, maybe some fans who are a bit younger, a bit newer to the scene, they might also like this book and they might just look at it and realize where the scene has come from how it started and all uh, they probably wouldn't re- uh, recognize some of the influences but they would definitely get the historical kind of context of what it's like to be in that in that scene uh, i absolutely love the book yeah i think that uh the one of the recurring themes in the book is some sort of anime that the three characters watch that features um, a, a princess and two characters, and then eventually they end up cosplaying those three characters. Yeah. And, <laughs> excuse me, I think the way that those characters are drawn and how they are rendered, as in they are watching an anime with subtitles, um, is just so delightfully nostalgic it's it's so it's a real throwback to how kind of early anime fans started producing things like fan subs fan dubs just to make their uh, favorite anime more accessible really so it's it's a brilliant book i think it should be more well known really yeah i i i can't recommend this um uh there's a few reasons uh for i think there's a lot of stuff that i admired in it um i think the 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 artwork does truly does at points do some um uh brilliant uh stuff um unlike you i didn't kind of grow up in the scene and i just felt it was a little bit too referential to the kind of (laughs) I, i just couldn't find an emotional way in to any of the the characters um i couldn't really um the only character I could really relate to a little bit was James and not necessarily that you can, 
need to relate to a character in a book that you're reading but i, I just found it difficult to um to put to kind of engage in the, in the book i found a lot of their behavior really deeply annoying i found um some of the stuff that Maya did, I just wanted to shout nerd at her the entire time. <laughs> she was a nerd, yes. She was a nerd. She was, she was a nerd all the way um, through, uh, you know, through, through the book. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's a big beast of a book. It's, um, you know, 292 odd page. And I just felt it was a little bit overlong as well. So I think it's one of those ones where there's lots, you know, there's obviously a lot to admire in there. Um, but I, unless I knew someone who, who, who was kind of heavily into like the manga scene or the anime scene, um, uh, like you, or uh, was into cosplay, uh, something like that, I, I'd struggle to recommend this book to someone who wasn't a comic book reader, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's kind of like one of the you know the, the tests I um set myself. Would I sit, would I recommend this book to a non comic book reader? And I don't think I could re- recommend this one. I just think there's is very much speaking to like a particular audience and i think that audience will 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 love it but it just it just wasn't um it just wasn't for me um so yeah so i think again you know uh, one recommendation one <laughs> non recommendation um any other closing thoughts um about the book before we move um, on yes yeah, so i really you know i i understand where you're coming from you know and uh, that is totally fine yeah. because you i think you are right it would appeal more to people who are really heavy into um this culture the cosplay the manga the anime and so on um the book has a lot of crossovers with another title that i can think about which also focuses on that scene um and it's called dramacon uh, by Svetlana Shmakova, which was published by Tokyo Pop many years ago before it went under. And again, it's a very hefty book. I think I, I have a collected volume of it, and I think it's 400-odd pages. But for people who are really into that scene and want to read a title that has a kind of a similar feel, you know, uh, I would definitely recommend Dramacon as well. So I think those books would really work well in in kind of a tandem because they address very similar uh, parts of of that scene okay uh that's that's great re- uh, recommendation thank you for that one so um let's let's talk about you now for um for the next uh, 20 30 minutes or so um so tell me uh why comics why 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 do you make uh and teach about comics I just think that comics are just a fantastic way of telling stories. So sometimes when you have a story to tell, but you don't want to, you feel that you can't really tell the story in writing. There's too many images in your head. You see the story. And I think comics are brilliant for showing or not telling, as they say. You know, you really show the story instead of telling it. And that's how I kind of started um, thinking about my stories. You know, I see them rather than put them in words. And it's just my natural way of storytelling. So I first got into comics as a reader, as many people um, did uh, in their childhood. So I started reading more 
kind of Western comics, really. I was really into Archie comics, for example, the classic yeah. American comics. And I read titles like Ninja Turtles and so on. Um, and then when I discovered anime and manga, I just realized that was my thing. I just instantly connected with with it. And because I was into drawing as well, I just decided to draw in that style. Um, and so I've been doing that ever since, really. Yeah. Um, so what was kind of like the first manga that that made you realize right, this is you know, this type of um, uh, comic book is is my thing? What was the kind of first title series of titles that made you kind of like fall in, in love with that particular uh, style of comic? I think as many people around my age, really, uh, it all started with Sailor Moon. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the magical girl genre. So, um, I back in the nineties, I really got into Sailor Moon. It wasn't the first kind of anime I watched. It wasn't the first manga I read, but it's the one that probably affected me the most deeply um, because I just really liked the human quality of the storytelling, and I think that makes it a bit different from other types of comics you know many characters man many manga characters yes they may have superpowers or have supernatural abilities but they're also deeply human they also have flaws they have insecurities and it's given kind of airtime if you like you know it's addressed in the stories as as well as kind of their supernatural activities as well and i think that's what attracted me to that kind of story and um of course the the magical girl storyline i think um tied in with the whole girl power thing and oh, as yeah a, of course yeah, yeah yeah absolutely as a female you know i felt that i was represented um i was heard i i saw characters that i could relate to and i just that what that's what attracted me to uh, to manga really yeah Okay, that's 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 um that's great. Um, so you you, you mentioned you decided to um, start drawing uh, in that style after f f uh, falling in love with um, uh, kind of Japanese uh, uh, comics manga um, anime. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, what your creative process is? Um, and, and by that uh, I mean, do you uh, create comics uh, using um, analog or digital tools do you still use um, paper and when you are creating wh where do you do that is that at home is it at studio do you, do you sit at a desk underneath a tree kind of what tools tools are you using there oh yes I really wish I had a desk under a tree that would be <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> I've just moved house actually so I literally have boxes everywhere and yeah. all my art stuff is still in half in boxes um so i normally create at home uh at my old house i actually had a specific um of kind of home office space that was just my drawing space um everyone else in my family knew that that was my space they're not allowed to put anything else on there because it's mine they have the rest of the house yeah. i have my lovely drawing desk so i'm hoping to have the same setup here as well in the new place um i 
use a mixture really of processes so I often sketch by hand on paper just pencil and paper and then I finish it digitally so I've been using Clip Studio for many years um, Clip Studio is a really brilliant um, software for any kind of manga artists or comics artists um, I can really recommend it so I just use the graphic top a tablet and Clip Studio to finish uh, my to finish my comic pages, um, and I think that works really effectively because I find that using uh, analog, so sketching by hand, means that I can sketch anywhere, anytime I have a spare fifteen minutes or so, I can sketch a page and then I can finish it digitally. Uh, so that works really well for me. Um, so this this might be a little bit of a nerdy um, question. Uh, when you are kind of finishing things off uh, digitally, do you kind of do things like create your own brushes and stuff like that, or do you kind of very much rely on the tools that are in that are already um, kind of out there, or do you kind of download different uh, paint brush packs and that sort of thing? I use a mixture of again, you know, of, of everything, a bit, a little bit of everything. Yeah. I, I love creating my own tones. I've always created my own tones. Um, I can create them from uh, reference photos I take, for example, or from patterns I create myself. Um, but also, Clip Studio has a brilliant um, library of assets. So it has tones, patterns, anything you like. You can also download. Uh, some assets that were created by users um, some of them are free some of them are not free but there's a massive variety uh, so I use a little bit of each really okay and how, how did how did you kind of develop that style is that something that's just naturally evolved or um, did you kind of like take advice from from someone else about how to how to do that um, how did that kind of um, process come around I think it just came from necessity, if you like. Yeah. Because I had a very specific image in my mind that I knew I wanted to create, and then I didn't have that readily available for, for me. I just developed kind of my own way, really, of creating it. So when I was creating my first manga, Chemical Blue, um, I think because it had a very particular kind of look particular way of telling the story which was very kind of light-hearted um very teenagery um very kind of um not not particularly heavy a bit yeah. of light relief i kind of thought i would create particular tones and particular patterns to go with it so i created kind of my own um pack that i ended up using throughout the book okay so that's 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 interesting um you mentioned kind of f falling in love with like the, the, the manga style of storytelling what are kind of like some creators that were stylistic influences or particular t titles yeah, i know you mentioned um sailor moon um uh previously kind of what other stylistic influences um on your art do you think are kind of uh apparent in in, in your work or kind of if influenced you in the way that you draw? Yeah, I think one of the manga artists that I draw a lot of influence from is Kaoru Mori, who creates... Um, her stories are mostly 
slice of life historical stories, which is quite a unique kind of combination because not many artists create historical stories without any kind of supernatural elements. But in her case, it's just history. Uh, What I like particularly about her style is all the attention to detail. So she creates um, manga by hand. So her process is completely analog. And it's fascinating as YouTube videos that detail her process and they're fascinating to watch. There's so much detail. So one of her manga is centered around uh, some kind of... um, culture based in I think South Asia uh, where they have fantastic costumes and the details of the costumes are breathtaking and all the details of the kind of houses the carpets they have there the textiles are breathtaking Um, and also I'm quite influenced by uh, the kind of retro um, shoujo manga or girls manga so I'm thinking the 70s the 80s um, they also have a particular style that at the moment looks almost antique you know yeah if we go yeah. back to again you know we mentioned um, Lady Oscar earlier or the Rose of Versailles um, and things titles like Glass Mask um, they have this particular shoujo look so something that would appear appeal to girls to a a kind of a girl audience and i think i kind of absorbed some of those influences in my own art as well okay sure that's 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 um that's great it's always interesting to hear kind of specific names uh when 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 talking to specifically artists um because you know that that stuff kind of does um kind of carry on through through someone's like creative um career so you're 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 looking to create a comic how how do you start doing that do you start with a script um do you start with um um like a a, a drawing or how does that kind of work for you i know um i was you've kind of mentioned reference drawings how much research goes into creating your stories um as well Absolutely. I think research really for me is the starting point of the story because a lot of my stories are actually inspired by real places. I could see an object, for example, in a museum or a gallery or a historic place, or I could see a really interesting natural object or a landscape, and it could trigger a story. It could evoke this kind of response. And then I try to find as much as I can about that place or that object and so on. Um, I also do a lot of sketches before starting the actual comic, before drawing the actual comic. I do a lot of character sketches, um, backgrounds, details. Uh, I love this stage because it's just the freedom it gives you and the fact that you really delve deep into your own storytelling and you shape it by finding out more about it and just by sketching characters developing their characters looks and so on you really get to know them because the characters stay with you for the duration of you creating the comic and I think it's really important to get to know them better 
So once the research and the character development is done, that's when I feel that I can move on to the script. So I don't really start with a script because I feel that a script is something too kind of definitive. Um, I would need to kind of shape my story more before moving on to the script. And then from the script, I can then move on to shape out the pages and move on to the actual drawing, the actual pages. That's um, that's fascinating. You, I think you're the first person I've spoken to kind of who's got that sort of process. Um, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of artists I've spoken to, obviously they 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 get a script from from a a writer, and a lot of the the writers that um I've spoken to, I suppose I haven't really um asked them about the 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 research um phase or the preparatory preparatory um phase before they actually start writing. So maybe that's something I should kind of add to my um my uh, uh list of questions so uh in terms of the script how is the, the script laid out do you have a particular format that you use is it like you know quote unquote the marvel method or the dc method or a grid format how does how does a uh, how does the script look to you oh yes uh one thing that i found works really well for me um, is actually doing thumbnails, so the little thumbnail sketches of each page alongside the script. So because it helps me visualize um, the kind of the action, the visual action and the dialogue alongside. Um, and I always found that kind of method really helpful. And I know that other artists possibly wouldn't find it as useful. Um, so when I was reading about the works of the likes of Will Eisner, Jack Kirby, uh, I think they used that kind of method as well. And it initially came from uh, the times when uh, the big, so the comics companies like the, the big two, Marvel and DC, they had um, an artist and a writer working alongside each other. So they would literally sit together and they would write the script and do the thumbnails at the same time. Because I am both the writer and the artist, I feel that this kind of method really helps me fulfill both roles, if you like. So okay. That, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do write comics and one of the things I do find finds help me is I will actually, if I say there's like five panels on the page, I will actually draw five panels on the page and then what I'll, what I'll do is I'll try and actually do really basic lettering jobs just to see if I've put too much dialogue on the page and oh, it's covering, yeah. cover, covering. So that, you know, that's one of the things that I tend to do, but I've heard like the thumbnailing thing. A lot of, um, a lot of people I've spoken to use that, um, use that process, um, as well. So, um, I've, I've asked you about your stylistic influences. What type of stories, um, are you interested in, uh, in telling and, are there any specific themes that you've seen um, emerge over and over again in the types of stories that you that you tell? Yes, it's very common when you hear that authors create stories that they like to read yeah. themselves, and I think in my case that's very true. So, from quite an early age, as well as being into manga and anime, I was always into uh, fantasy. So I was really into kind of historical fantasy, uh, especially something that relates to kind of early, um, early medieval period. And because the 
written sources and reliable sources from those times are not very numerous. I think that's why it's so inspiring to so many authors, because there's freedom there, freedom of interpretation, if you like. Um, so I think the references to historical places and events and different time periods really resurface in my in my own work all the time. Uh, the other kind of major influence that I have that crops up in my work um, that is a bit unexpected, I have to say, is um, the mythology. So I really enjoy learning about folklore, about myths and legends, particular, uh, particularly Celtic uh, legends and myths. I've always been interested in in that that kind of mythology uh, and the folklore, and I think that's being a manga artist really gives me freedom to go and explore those stories and interpret them the way I see them. So that's the kind of the, the themes that are the, the themes that are quite common in my in my work. Okay, and does that kind of um uh heavily uh one of the reasons that you decided to kind of create um, witch hair, because uh, I noticed the in your description you mentioned there's a lot of like Welsh um, folklore um, in that. So is that kind of a, a kind of a, along the similar sort of lines? Do you want to talk a little bit more about witch hair? What kind of what your influences were behind that, and um, also where we can kind of like purchase it um, <laughs> as well? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so. I started the witch hair as a kind of interpretation of a legend of a Welsh saint. So it's a saint called San Melangeth, and she is the protector of hares. So the official story, the kind of the mainstream story that is normally told about her, if you like, is that the local prince uh, was hunting and his hounds were chasing a hare. And Melangleth herself um, saved the hare from certain death, and the prince gave her a plot of land to build uh, some sort of um, retreat or a monastery, something uh, religious, something Christian, to shelter people who um, were under some sort of danger where they could just worship in peace. Um, however, because the hair is such a powerful pagan symbol, it just made me kind of dig deeper into the origin of the story and um, explore more of the Welsh folklore that's that deals with with hairs. Um, so I really could connect to the story. That's why I decided to draw it in manga format. Um, and then it kind of resulted in creating two more stories. Um, the second story was the the amalgamation of all the Welsh um, folklore about uh, witch hares. So hares could, who could turn into witches and witches could turn into hares. Um, and then for the last story, because I thought it would be nice to make it a kind of a trilogy, um, I thought it would be good to create a story that it doesn't take place in the past, but takes place in the present. So I was thinking about a story about a, a modern witch so a young girl who's a witch um and she is a hair witch so she can turn into a hair and i thought those three stories worked really well together so i decided to put them into one book 
Um, so The Witch Hair was published back in May um, by Sweatjob Studios. So Sweatjob Studios are a small independent publisher. So I've been with them for about 13 years, but they've been around for about 20 years. So all this time back when the scene first started, they were around then. And they initially uh, decided to support the kind of UK manga artists. So, you know, those artists who are from the UK and who create comics that are influenced by manga. Uh, So the best place to buy the witch hair from is probably directly from um, Sweatjob Studios' website because you would be supporting a small business and that's always good. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise, um, it's available from the likes of Amazon and Waterstones and so on. Okay, that's that's uh, that, um, that's great. Um, what else did I want to ask you uh, before I go into my um, uh, closing uh, questions? Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, you, you kind of mentioned that the the witcher is kind of uh, it's uh, a comic book containing kind of uh, free uh, free stories. Have you um, have you developed a, a preference between long form and short form? storytelling um at all yes um actually the witch hair is my first try of a short form manga uh and i have to say i've really enjoyed creating that uh, kind of shorter stories shorter self-contained stories but you know they work together because they have a common theme before that the stories are created so i'm thinking about chemical blue um volume one and two uh, they are very, very long form. <laughs> yeah. And I think that in the, in an ideal world, I would definitely have a preference for the long form because it gives you more freedom to really develop the story, to get to know the characters, to say everything you wanted to say in the story. However, in reality, because my time is quite limited and my resources and my energy and so on, the short form is definitely more, um, more, it's more rewarding, uh, I think, because you create something self-contained and at the end of it, you have a finished product, you have a finished book that you can be proud of. Um, so I think I will probably create more short form comics in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of just following on from that kind of, uh, you, you write and you draw yourself. Um, uh, how do you f- feel about like collaborating is that something because you know a lot of the times that creating comics is a collaborative um process is that is that something that you've engaged in in the past and is that something that you enjoy or is there kind of a, you know do you prefer to kind of be able to kind of be the director and the actor and the sound guy and all those other sort of things <laughs> when you're kind of like having full and full control of a creative um pro- project I enjoy both. Um, I really enjoy collaborating. So I have collaborated before. Of course, when I create um, comics for someone else, for a client, uh, that's a completely different process from when I am all the roles. Um, So I recently created a few short comics for the Magic Torch comics. And that that had its advantages because... The script was done for me. The references were done for me. All I had to do was draw. 
So it was it was a uh, it was rewarding. It was enjoyable. But of course, it's not my story. It's someone else's story. Um, and similarly, I was working with a performer and poet called Rimbo, who wrote her own poetry, and I changed her poems into comic format. Um, that also was it was it was good. It was a good process. However, when I want to have the total ownership of the story and just tell it the way I want, um, I think I prefer to to work completely on on my own but i do enjoy collaboration it's always good okay um so i'm I'm gonna go into my um uh closing uh uh questions now so um i mean it's it's it is a closing it is a closing question but it's, it's quite a big one what does uh success look like for you as an artist I think uh, yeah so. yeah I mean you can take that as um a wide or as narrow question um mm. as you like so some people have take interpreted that question as kind of just in life yeah. or just specifically <laughs> as a comic book um artist that, that's a very wide question yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I think personally for me as a as an artist as a creator success means being able to create the stories that I want to tell because I know that later on in life there are stories that I would regret being left untold so I think for me if I tell all the stories that I want to tell and hopefully find audiences to read those stories and maybe to relate to them and to find something of their own in the stories then I think I would consider myself successful okay that that's great um have you started yet going to comic cons again uh, yes yeah. yeah i did go to um london mcm comic con um in may this year so i think that was my first con following the pandemic yeah but i also have plans to go to smaller cons this um not this year, next year. Yeah. Uh, I would like to go to uh, comic cons like Comic Salopia, for example, in Shrewsbury and Wrexham, uh, Wales Comic Con, which is returning to Wrexham uh, next year. Um, I know it's held twice a year, but I've never been and I would really want to um, table at that con. So, yeah, much to look forward to. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, kind of the, really the, the last... Um, uh, couple of uh questions i'm going to ask are is there anything that um i didn't ask or we haven't discussed that we that we sh that, that, that you'd like to discuss or that i didn't ask that i should have asked i think you've probably asked me lots of questions so <laughs> <Yeah. I'm, laughs> i think yeah I, th I think we talked about everything really that yeah okay okay that's great um can you please tell people where they can um find you on the internet or if you're going to be at any cons later in the year if they can find you there as well sure so i can tell it's probably easy if i write um my social media handles yeah. but i can i can say yeah. I can say them as well uh so my website is irina richards.com uh, and you can also find me on instagram which is irina richards art and on twitter which is Irina Richards with an underscore at the end. Um, so I am going to be at 
uh, Comic Salopia in June next year. Uh, I've also got uh, workshops and sessions and events planned, uh, which I normally put on my social media and my website. So if you wanted to follow uh, my upcoming events, just um, connect with me on social media. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to uh, speak to us. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the episode. If you could please support the podcast by uh, leaving a rating or review wherever you've uh, found us, you can uh, follow the podcast on social media on Instagram and Facebook at uh, See Through Panel Pod. Uh, Twitter is Panel C. If you could also uh, keep checking out our YouTube channel, Cole is doing some really interesting videos at the moment on uh, books that he's purchasing. I think I'm probably going to copy him and start making some YouTube uh, videos as well, especially since I've received some really good advanced review copies of quite interesting books. Um, And if you can please leave a tip in the chip jar, that will help us keep the lights on, especially in these challenging times. Um, Let's say uh, bye to the listeners. Bye. Bye. Thank you. So I'm just going to stop recording now.